Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Sharon Moore, and I'm one of your hosts. And on this podcast, we talk to Hoffman graduates about how their courageous journey inward impacted their personal lives, but also how it impacted their community and the world at large. So tune in and listen in and hear how our graduates' authentic selves, how their love, how their spirits are making a positive impact on our world today. In other words, get to know their love's everyday radius. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I am here with Lorenzo Jones. I have been lucky enough to be a participant and a witness as he facilitates restorative justice circles. And what stands out to me about Lorenzo is his genuine devotion and belief in people's growth and transformation. You can feel it when you're in his presence. He's a coach, he's a consultant, he's a facilitator, and has been for the last two and a half or three decades. And if I had to guess, I would say he's got a huge list of people whom he's had a positive impact on through the years. I feel blessed and lucky to have him on the show. Lorenzo, welcome to the show. Hi, Sharon. Thank you for uh, having me. Thanks for inviting me. I am looking forward to, to being with you. Fantastic. So, Lorenzo, let's start in the beginning. You are a graduate of the process, and I'm curious, do you remember when you did it and, and um, what called you to do the process initially? It uh, was about six years ago, and my wife, my current wife, uh, we were dating at the time, and she had gone through the program, and she kind of made it a prerequisite, right? It's, it's a, hey, if we're going to continue in this relationship, I really want you to do this, this program called the Hoffman Process. And she started talking about it, and I thought, sounds similar to something I've done before. And she said, no, you haven't done this process. And I'm I'm one of those guys who I'm I'm I get to the swimming pool and I jump in, and, and so for me any opportunity to to explore my my inner beliefs, my thoughts, my views, my beingness pulled me in. And so with that, I said absolutely, I am I am excited to go. And uh, when do we start? So that was that was my entry into the Hoffman process about six years ago. And so you went just as kind of a interested person and okay, this will be an opportunity to explore inward. Were there any surprises once you got there? Oh my God, lots of surprises, lots of surprises. And so first, I think the surprise was in the pre-work, the homework that you do before you go. And so it was a definite exploration on on my past, on my family, on my experiences, my thoughts about my family, thoughts about my mom and dad. And so that was, I think, the opening experience of, all right, this this might get pretty, pretty deep. And, and so uh, when I arrived, it was, you know, I think I was a little bit guarded, you know, being in a room with, with strangers and then having to, to show up in a in a, in a very trusting, vulnerable way with the complete room of strangers and teachers initially was very interesting for me where I thought, okay, am I really going to surrender? Am I really going to dive in and let go? And so from that moment, and uh, I felt the room, felt the teachers, and uh, I said, time to let go. 
time to let go. And from that moment on, I, I was all in. Is that is that usually a simple switch for you to make where, okay, I go from guarded to diving in, or is there a little inner dialogue or some work that you have to do to get to that place of letting go? You know, Sharon, it, it really, it really is a simple switch for me. I, I'm a very trusting guy. I, I believe in, in the possibility of exploration, exploring deeply your, your fears, your limitations, busting through those. And so for me, uh, it didn't take long at all. It, I think it was just a matter of uh, being comfortable initially uh, and feeling safe and, and not knowing the experience. And of course, we, we, uh, we're, we're not told too much in advance about the experience. And so for me, it was just a brief moment of, okay, but once I settled in, my character is usually pretty good at diving in. And so uh, I played fully and I experienced fully. And that's, that, that's important to me because it's a direct correlation to what I want to get out of, of anything I do. We often say, well, you know, if it comes up in the process, it comes up in life. So that's kind of a, a little reflection of what we are like in our lives as well. Is there a moment when you think about the process? I know it was six years ago, but is there a moment where you can pinpoint, ooh, that was a pivotal moment or that was a magical moment? Yes, without giving away all of our goodies and secrets, I, I, the pivotal moment for me was really exploring my mom and and having an opportunity to experience her her life her journey differently and so to to really have a discussion with her in the room metaphorically um was was very healing and so i i would say that that was one of the biggest moments where I got to let go and surrender. I've, I've had a beautiful, beautiful, loving relationship with my mom. Very loving. But there were still some questions. There were still some questions. And, and she's a very private, she was a very private woman. And, and so that moment, those experiences allowed me to ask those questions and, and to, to receive it. And once you received that, I had a similar situation, by the way, but once you received that, what sort of impact did it have on who you were? The first, the first thing that comes to my mind, Sharon, is lightness, but I've always have been light, I think. But, but uh, for me, it was a, a lightness of acceptance, uh, forgiving, uh, and surrendering to it had to be or look a certain way. And so for me, there was a, a moment of, of clarity around you don't have to go searching for that magic answer because the answer might not be there. But exploring, I think, is important. But the answer sometimes isn't always what you want or look for. And, and not being attached or fixed to that particular answer, I think, is, is important. And are you saying that that came from the discussion with the metaphor, of course, with your mom? I don't know if it came from, but it certainly was broken wide open, right? So, so the deepening of it came from that experience, much more than, than uh, the experience I had in the same process with, with my father, who has not been in my, my life since I was a kid. 
And, and so there were some questions, there were some discoveries there as well. And there was some forgiveness to me that that was essential in, in my relationship, in my, my soul, my spirit with him. You know, we talk about forgiveness in today's world with, with almost like, almost like a lightness or it's almost like we bring our intellects and how we understand now through our minds, how important it is to find that compassion and forgiveness. But what I find as a teacher is that I, you know, I often get people who say, well, I've already forgiven my parents. I've already forgiven my mother, my father, my surrogate. And, um, there's something that happens in the process where it's a little more three dimensional of a forgiveness, It's all of our aspects. Um, so hearing you say forgiveness, can you speak a little bit to that experience for you? Were you in a place of, you already thought you had forgiven or did something, um, get revealed to you through the process around forgiveness? Right. So sometimes we, we say we forgive and then we park it on the shelf. Exactly. Right. And, and then we move on as if it never happened or I don't have an attachment to it. Therefore, uh, it doesn't hurt, can impact. So, so for me, during that experience, forgiveness is also an opportunity to, to dive into it, to really explore it, to really understand it, uh, and to authentically not, not just forgive her or the experience, but, but also forgive myself. So, so that's, that's like an arrow going in both directions, right? So to forgive, it also I think requires one to release and to forgive whatever you might be holding on to. So in my case, it was also a forgiving of, let's say, having to think or conjure up a particular story that I made up in my head that allowed me to protect myself or to hold on to something. So the forgiveness was surrendering and letting go of that for myself, which, which also I think allowed me to forgive authentically uh, the experience that I thought was, was perhaps getting in the way of, of either even deepening or, or experiencing a, a more loving, authentic relationship with my mom at a true deeper level. So that's, that to me was impactful. And just hearing you say this, this story to protect myself and suddenly you don't have to have the story anymore. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like freedom. Yes. And so, uh, uh, we have, uh, an opportunity to name ourselves to, to, uh, when we go through the experience is to share what, how would we like to be addressed? What name would we like to be called throughout the experience? And I chose my childhood name that my family called me by, and that was Rennie. And, and so even that moment of, of naming myself took me back to my childhood, which took me back to my mom, right? Uh, and, and so it was all, it was all connected. It's uh, what we were talking about a minute ago, the setup. And so hearing you say, story, protect myself, I'm suddenly seeing this freedom come out of not needing that story, not needing to protect yourself anymore. How, how does that continue to live on in, in your life? Wow. So this year, I, I can tell you very specifically, so I've been 
I've been a leadership development coach for, for many years, right? And, and sometimes uh, I, I like to conjure up this belief or this story about myself of not being perfect or not doing it right. You know, the old quote unquote imposter syndrome. Although I thought I was doing a great job and had, had great clients, I think I still played a small game. And, and, and that was out of protection. All of that sharing went out the window went out the window this year. So when we had the 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 upheaval of social unrest, the racial inequities and, and, and all the conversations that came out of the George Floyd experience, for whatever reason, I was compelled to to not hide anymore. To, to use my gift, my voice, my conversations. And so instead of playing small or living in the background, so to speak, as a coach. It's it's not our job to be in the front. So there was moments throughout this past year where I was pulled out to the front. And, and so throughout this experience this past year, I think it's been an opportunity for me to really have an opportunity to, to share my voice, to share my thoughts, to share my experiences. But more importantly, I think to to have others share their experiences, to have others speak their truth. So so for me, it was come out into the front and be the lead when I need it to be, and yet play a role in others achieving and, and having their voice uh, be heard as well. So when you say uh, pulled to the front, was it an inner pull? Like, ooh, I have this compelling force in me, and so therefore I'm going front? Or did something externally pull you to the front? I can, I can tell you of a very particular moment. So there was a rally uh, and a march here in our city in San Rafael, California. And, and so one of the very few times that I've marched, uh, this was a day that I said, it's, it's in my city, I'm going to get out and march. And uh, had a great experience. For the most part, it was a very peaceful rally. Uh, walk for probably about a good four or five miles. And we get to our destination, which was City Hall. And, and that's where the speakers were and, and uh, some very powerful conversations. And there was a moment where at the end, the mayor wanted to speak. And he was not on the agenda. And the organizers did not want him to speak. And so it became very tense. And he finally was, was, was given the mic to speak, and he started really sharing his vision of wanting to create a task force around Obama's pledge of eight can't wait, which was police reform, use of force. So the whole experience was, was surreal because it could have gone pretty bad. So I'm watching this, Sharon, and... Uh, this rally was on a Thursday. I get a call Sunday from the city manager's office asking me, Lorenzo, hey, we, we might need your services uh, to facilitate a workshop and facilitate a group. And we can't share more, but we, we want to know if you might be available and interested. Sure. The very next day, Sharon, I get the call that said, well, the mayor would like for you to facilitate this task force on police reform with the community. And so it was in that moment that I thought, wait a minute, I was just a, a spectator three days ago 
watching this event unfold. And now here I am being asked to facilitate police reform with the community and the city leaders, the elected officials on police reform. And is there a version of you that would have, to use your words, continued to play small and maybe said, oh, I'm too busy or I can't take that on right now? Was, was there something internally that was different that led you to say, absolutely, I'll do that? There was the, the yes and. Yes, I, it, there probably would have been a moment where I would have said, I, I'm not equipped to do this. Who, 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 who am I to lead this particular group? Who am I to bring all these individuals together and uh, to work with the police chief, to work with the unions? Who am I that has the, the, the gift or the spirit or the knowledge or the capacity to do that? So that went through my head. But there was also a moment of, well, why not me? Uh, and, 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 and prior to, I, I've been doing some good work with the city and the county and, and the communities here that I live in. So it, it, I was already a known uh, individual in the, in, the, in the community. So, But to take on this particular role meant that it was going to thrust me into a much more public persona, which I had never been before on, on that level given the uh, given the topic so uh, it was certainly a risk for me in terms of okay i better succeed at this right i i i can't fail at this and um we we had an amazing experience and and produced some great changes in the police reform here in the city and uh was a lot of success and, and very enjoyable can you share with us one of the more powerful experiences so far on this task force? Wow. I, I can share with you one of the moments where it became real for me when I decided I didn't have a choice but to do it. And so there was a, a morning where I was meeting the chief of police for coffee. And I went to the coffee shop a little bit early. And uh, of course, we're, 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 we're masked up, uh, no drinking or eating inside. And uh, I went in, got my coffee, came outside, and was sitting out at a table. And there were several people outside at the table. And uh, the police chief comes up, and, and we've known each other. So she comes up, she walks over to my table, and she's standing in front of me, and she starts talking. And without maybe 20 seconds that have gone by, the manager of the store comes running out. And she starts looking over at me and, and the police chief as if something was wrong. And so in that moment, it was a moment of a reflection of there's work to do in the community. Because I experienced firsthand in that particular moment with the police chief, what I felt was some conscious bias racism. No, so so it was that moment where I said, oh, I'm so doing this work. I'm so diving in and uh, as, as a facilitator, working all sides between the community, the police department, the mayor, uh, the city council. It was, uh, it was not an easy experience because there was a lot of different points of views and there were lots of moments of, of very passionate, heated conversations. And so it was my, I think, ability to just keep everyone at ease, focused, 
talking, collaborating that that supported the process? I got to take a big breath there because I just find it so, what a powerful way to channel that experience. It could have gone so many other directions for you. It could have continued to suppress. It could have continued to make small. It could have done so many things. And, and what did it do? It made you dive deeper into the work and continue to open people up to the work and all that's needed to be done. And I, I imagine that's not the first time that happened to you. No, it's not the first time. But again, I think this year, it was a different feeling and experience that I was having about myself of, of not playing small and, and really standing in my courageous self and, and, and my courageous voice and views, but yet to be able to make a difference in the way that I get to choose to do it. And that's the, to bring people together. And so as a result, many things have, have kind of followed too. Three days ago, I, uh, that particular police chief uh, is resigning and I was asked to participate in panel interviews three days ago to select the new police chief of the, of the city. And, and uh, there's, there's great opportunities that, that particular individual who hopefully they may choose might be a person of color. So for me, being there throughout this process and and to be able to contribute and to support uh, has been very meaningful, very meaningful. And part of you stepping out of the the small game. Yes, yes, stepping out of the small game. And uh, I had another event that happened this week that I think also took me even deeper into how I play and how I can really come from a voice of, of strength and courage and reasoning and vulnerability. Uh, and that was uh, an event with another police department here in the community. Well, I was uh, asked to do some mediation restorative work with my partner, my wife, Rochelle, and uh, to resolve a particular conflict in the community. And we were invited by the sheriff who uh, is the acting police chief of a particular township here to come in and do a workshop for his entire police department on conscious and unconscious biases. And in conversation with him, we had dialogues around, wouldn't it be great if we brought them together and to have a dialogue on what it feels like to be a white police officer experiencing what they do in this particular time and to reverse the conversation, to give them an opportunity to ask me as, as a black man, what does it feel like to be black in this community? What's my experience with the police? And so lots of great exploration on what it feels like to look through our lens and how we navigate our relationships with law enforcement and with each other. There's lots of deep moments with those policemen and women. How do you, uh, I, I imagine people might experience, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but some defensiveness, some justification, some blame, excuses, all kinds of things. How do you set it up so that 
we are, or I shouldn't say we, the people who are there are able to go deep and get the real, authentic, like you said, vulnerable, courageous conversation going. Right. And you know what? We had that. We had some defensiveness. We had some some righteousness, but it was coming from their experiences. And they had a right to those those experiences because that was their experience through their lens. And so to do that, to get to where we needed to get to, there there had to be a moment of an exploration around trust, right? Because you have to think about what they do in the environment that they live in where uh, their trust meter is vibrating pretty strong, and, and right? And, and so here we are sitting in a room in, in a big circle with, with mask on our face covering our, our mouth. It took a while, it took a moment before they started loosening up. And so w- without giving away the, 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 the meat of what we were doing, we finally got them to open up and share. And, and uh, when they did, the floodgates just opened up. During that particular moment or process, Sharon, it was a conversation around share whatever you would like to share. This is that moment. If you've never sat in this particular environment with your peers, with facilitators, with someone who is black, with your biases, because we all have them, conscious or unconscious, implicit or not, this is that moment where if you're gonna if you're gonna reveal, if you wanna know, you have to ask. Because this is that safe place to do that. And we had many questions. And so were you the only black man in a room with yes. all that? So you can imagine, even with the work that I do as a black man, still sitting there with a room full of police officers asking me questions. So when I say not playing small and finding my voice, I don't think I could have gotten there without the work that I have done on myself. That's what I, I credit to the Hoffman process and my experience and being able to share authentically and release and let go. And so those are the moments that, that will always come back to me that supports me on my, my journey. And so I appreciate that opportunity and, and give credit to, to my experiences today because of those experiences. Your ability, your growth or a deeper capacity to share authentically in combination with your already existing set of skills like facilitation, um, look at what it produced just this week. And that's just one example. And, and I wasn't there, but I'm having this slightly utopian vision of it. You know, I'm imagining the white police officers asking you, what does it feel like when you see us walking next to you? That would be a question I want to know. You know, when, when I hear this, ask the questions, share. Those questions came up. Why, as an example, why is it that Black people will blame the police officer for everything that may happen to them when we're just there doing our job. We're not the judge. We're not the jury. We're not the executioner. So that came out from one of the police officers. 
and my conversation was, you, you have to understand what's in our DNA. And historically, the police or law enforcement wore all of those hats. And to some, still today, they wear all of those hats because of what we have experienced today. So that's why there's this ingrained fear of police. And some is founded, some is not founded. But we as Black individuals, there's part of us that can't let some of that go. And so it was those conversations that we got to talk about. I find it fascinating because there's, like you said, there's parts that we can't let go. And then there's, to me, there's also the uh, lineage and genealogy. I personally connect to that, where there are things that are inexplicable to me on this level, but I know that my DNA carries the memory of it. So there's the today, what we see with our eyes, and then there's all the other stuff. Do you feel your work shifting more into this uh, space? That's a tough question because this past nine months, obviously with what we've experienced uh, as, a, as a nation and obviously with COVID, partially, yes. And when I say this space, it's, it's, it's around perhaps the, the DNI space, uh, the law enforcement, the, the police reform space that I'm being drawn more into. And yet at the same time, my, my passion, my love will always still be in the leadership development space as well. So uh, for me, there's, there's the, the dual aspect of, of those conversations. Well, and there's so much overlap there too. Absolutely. I mean, yesterday, as an example, we, we did that particular workshop and then sat down in the afternoon and mediated a dialogue with chief of probation for a particular area and his director. And, and, and that was an emotional conversation. And, and so there's many layers to what I do, but I think the most important or the most impactful piece for me is bringing people together to have dialogue. There is a tangible, measurable way you are showing up for this really important moment. You know, a lot of us are like, oh, it's maddening. It's this, it's that. But look at this channel, direct channel to causing change. It almost feels like a culmination of everything that you've stood for and been about all your life. Boom, right here to this moment. For me, it's, it's of course, we, we see the news, we see what's happening in, in the country and, 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 and the world. And my, my belief, Sharon, is that we, we are in the universe, the world, we're in transformation, right? That's without a doubt. Everything that we're experiencing from our planet, from our resources, limited resources, from our governing, from our health, we're, we're in a transformational period right now. And then we have to, we have to recognize that. And so if that's what we're experiencing, then I'm a part of that experience. I'm not separate from that. So with that in mind, what is it that I can do to be with that experience, given what I do? I can't run the national government, but I can work with the people in my community who have a voice or who have a say or who have power to enact laws or policies in our community. That, to me, is how you begin. 
And so if that means that I get to be a part here locally to play a role or to play my part, then that's the opportunity for me. That's how I choose to be a part of this transformation. Now, one other thing that came to my mind hearing you go in one day from one really intense and moving experience to another, I couldn't help but think, how does he take care of himself? What do you do to not have it lodge in your system and, and, and make sure that your whole system stays healthy so that you can continue to do this work? I sleep well. I, I, I watch what I eat nutritionally. So it's important for me that, that uh, what I put in my body is, is the fuel that I need to sustain me throughout the day. Uh, and then I, uh, I exercise. And, and so for me, those, those components between my fitness, my, my health, and, and my, my rest to rejuvenate uh, is important to me. But also my relationships. Those are moments where I get to go, oh, man, I just get to have a juicy conversation, whether it's with my wife or, or with my family or, or with my my close friends that we share moments with. So those are the moments where I get to rejuvenate. But yes, throughout the day, throughout the, the week, sometimes it, I can tell when my tank is empty. And, and But that's by design. That's with intent. So, so for me, it's play to the fullest of experiencing what I get to experience so that others get to experience whatever they need, which means that I've got to be of service in a way that is truly impactful when, to some degree, that does impact me. But that's in a great way, though. You said it. It's by design. This is You went into it wholeheartedly, knowing, knowing what you're going into and feeling into the why of you're going into it. So... When your tank is empty, you, you did it with all, it was very purposeful. Absolutely. That's when I say, damn, okay, that's what I, that's what I wanted, right? That's, I, I, that's success for me. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Damn, that was a good week. Right? I mean, versus being exhausted and, and not doing anything, right? And, and, and so that doesn't serve me. That doesn't serve the people I'm in experience with, right? So, so for me to be fully available, let's say to you, I've got to bring all of me to you. Whatever that might look like based on the needs. And I've only seen you in, in two situations. One was with us uh, Hoffman uh, teachers and one was doing the sacred circle. And, and wow, when you say, I'm going to bring all of me. That is exactly how I've experienced you in both of those situations. So, you know, one of the things that we believe um, from the Hoffman perspective is that people who do this work on themselves go back out into the world with a much stronger connection to being communal, being collective. And if you have not embodied that, I don't know what does. Talk about just going back into the world and, and uh, you know, with like a laser intent on being impactful on the collective. Wow. That's critical mass, isn't it? When you are standing in, in being a giver, then you give. You give, you give, you give, you give. That's what I choose to do. That's how I choose to, to live. 
and yet at the same time to, to be able to give means that uh, I, I need to continue to also give to myself and continue to replenish. So, so giving to myself is also extremely important, whether it's in body, spirit, mind. Anybody who's in this line of giving for a sustainable uh, amount of time, as you said, we, we have to give to ourselves body, spirit, mind. Lorenzo, such a treat to be uh, connected with you and to just chat with you. I was observing that even before we got on this call, I could already kind of feel your energy. Honestly, I could just feel like myself more grounded, myself more calm. There's something very powerful about you. So I feel very, very lucky to have had this interview with you. And I happen to be very close to you physically. So I hope to see you once the world um, allows us to connect properly. I'm looking forward to having to, to crossing paths in a more intentional way. Absolutely. I'm going to take hope out of that. We will. Yes. Hey, I love right. that. Yes, yes, yes. Throw that right. hope out of there. Yes. Yes. We're, we're, we, we, we get to play together however it looks. And uh, I truly am grateful for the opportunity to sit and speak with you and to share my experience. Not good, bad, right or wrong, but it's it's how I'm living and how I'm choosing and uh, even for me to be on this podcast is a testament, I think, to vulnerability. We, we all get to experience it. And so thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable with you and to, uh, to share my experience. Thank you for showing up so wholeheartedly. And like you said earlier, you, you, I think you said something about when I see a swimming pool, I just jump in. And that's exactly how I, I felt you in this interview. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And uh, all you listeners, I hope that was inspirational and grounding. And um, we will, of course, see you next week. All right. Thank you, Lorenzo. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation. And I'm Rassi Rossi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love. In themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to hoffmaninstitute.org.